This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Well, A-teamers, I know you've been waiting to get into the closet. We are here, we are here, we are here. <laughs> it's time for us uh, to talk about urological diseases and their impact on um, your sexual health. We've got Dr. Mamitele on the line who is uh, from uh, the Urology Hospital in Pretoria. Dr. Mamitele, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your time. Good evening. Good evening, uh, Patricia, and good evening to your listeners. So uh, let's let's go through some of the urological diseases that, especially those that we don't necessarily notice on the onset, that have been impacting negatively on people's sexual health. Yeah, usually, uh, most likely the ones which affect males a lot, it's the prostate if you look at the, the male anatomy. So in terms of anatomy, prostate sits just below the bladder. And then on the sides of the prostate, there are nerves which um, cross just next to it, going into the penis there. Those nerves are very important for initiating and maintaining erection. And there's some blood vessels which pass there. So most of the conditions of the prostate that men get as they get older and older, uh, is that the prostate gets bigger. And then as it enlarges, it sometimes compresses on that neurovascular bundle on the outside. And then that also causes um, problems with uh, with erection as well. And then some of the interventions that we do on a prostate, especially if someone has prostate cancer, when we remove or do radiation on the prostate, those nerves can be affected. And another condition um, which are common is obesity. But obesity, especially when you start gaining a lot of fat around the abdomen, the big belly, um, what happens is what we call aratomization, where you, the testosterone is, that's to be converted into estrogen. And then in a way, you have less testosterone you that is available in your body and then slowly you start losing your libido and you lose your spontaneous early morning and midnight erections and then that in later on as it goes down to the testosterone the response of your penis in terms of stimulation and uh, sexual functioning reduces as well so those are some of the most common ones that we we won't notice immediately, but over a long run, and um, it does affect the sexual functioning. Sure. So obesity can lead to uh, malfunctioning um, of 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 um, your sexual health. But at, yes. at what point? I mean, Doc, because you say it, it, it's when the fatty area is around that lower abdominal area. But at what point do you notice that, manje things have changed? Things are not going as they were supposed to, and it could be obesity, because there are other people who might have uh, a pot belly, and they're still no. doing the things according to them. Yes. So it doesn't mean, you remember when it happens, this certain threshold in, in the levels of testosterone as it starts dropping. So 
the the sign, the first sign, it's when you don't get your morning erections. So normally men, during what we call random uh, REM sleep, when you in a deep sleep, we sometimes get those erections. It's not because you're dreaming about someone or anything. They're just uh, early in the morning when the bladder is full, you get that erection. And they're not sexual in nature, but... Uh, if you end up having been stimulated or you concentrate on it, then it becomes sexual. But those ones, they're supposed to be there on daily basis, those morning erections. So if you there's, open, no, there's no age cut off for those morning erections, even oh, well if, into if your 70s? If, if your testosterone is fine and you're healthy, there's good blood flow, you should have your morning erections. Okay. If, mm, so testosterone... And I think the most interesting thing is that testosterone starts going down. We start noticing it scientifically going down from the age of 30. And then that will depend on the rate at which it drops. It depends on how you behave, whether you're active. If you're not active and you start gaining more weight, that's why after the age of 30, if you look at men, they would keep their six-pack if, uh, without problem until after the age of 30. As it starts getting down, they lose the muscle, uh, the muscle, the muscle bulk, the strength of the muscles. They start gaining fat. They become less active and things like that. That compounds. You get to that vicious cycle that uh, you become more lazy. Your testosterone also gets down because when testosterone is high, your muscles you become more active. You build more muscles. And if you keep a good, healthy lifestyle, you basically can maintain your, your 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 normal level of testosterone for a very long time. But if you're not healthy and you don't exercise, you don't do much, testosterone can drop very quickly. And then when you get to 40s or late 40s, you may start seeing problems there. Is there an equivalent for women? Because I, I sense that we are talking more about men here. But is there equivalent um, negative effect of obesity on women and their sexual health? Um, obesity, if you look at it, um, in women, it, it, it's quite different. Um, understanding how they are stimulated and other things, um, it goes with, with, with emotional and psychological well-being than the physical part of it. The physical part of it, it's, it's still needed. For an example, maybe let me put it this way. Men and, men and women, in terms of sexual functioning, physiologically, we, we're similar. The only difference is that the men have a penis. Blood flows into the penis. In females, blood flows into the clitoris and then the surrounding vagina. So the more blood flows in there, the more around the vagina, more fluid is going to be released because blood is flowing in there. And then the vagina gets wet. And then it starts responding uh, accordingly uh, for penetration. In men, it's more blood flowing in into the penis. It gets engorged. The more blood flows in, it becomes, it becomes more rigid. And then it can penetrate. So in terms of physiology, it's the same. And then there's the nervous system as well, where the nerves play a major role in terms of uh, initiation and maintaining. Because when you touch someone, there should be a a relay of message from the nerves to the spinal cord all the way to the brain. 
and then the same message should be interpreted by the brain as this is nice and then the feedback it sent the feedback will go via the heart and say pump more blood and blood should be able to flow through the arteries to the pelvic region so if there's a problem in that physiological thing it will respond almost similarly i don't know if i'm making sense so in terms of reaction men and females we the same but if we look at females the psychological well-being and emotional well-being also plays a major role in their stimulation and maintenance of that some women if emotionally they're not fine you don't get that um, uh, proper signaling of, of blood being diverted there and then they don't get wet but because they want to pleasure the male you find that um, they, they get vaginal dryness and things like that because they're not emotionally they're not there and things like that so that becomes a difference as well A-teamers, we are in conversation with Dr. Mamidele, who is from the Urology Hospital in Pretoria. We are talking about uh, urological diseases that impact on your sexual health. And some, some of us, you know, we might not know what is it that is ailing us, but we are worried about ourselves. And we want to know more about how we can, you know, fix things up, turn things up. And uh, if you've got a question, you're more than welcome to uh, call in on 011-714-2006 or even send a WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. The good doctor will be even able to answer your SMSs on 41391. Send those through. Good evening, Sister Patricia. Good evening, Dr. Bay. I've got a problem. Uh, uh, last year in November, I visited a doctor who said my prostate is shrinking because I was experiencing a lot of inflammation and at the same time, uh, low erection. So the doctor said my prostate is shrinking and she prescribed me to take a silas and um, Euromax, of which it really worked for me for the past first three months. But after the fourth month, um, the, 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 um, the, the inflammation came back again. So my question is, should I continue with the same uh, Silas Bose uh, and Euromax Bose she prescribed to me for six months? And it was as a repeat. Then the other question, which I wanted to ask the doctor there, is inflammation can be treated permanently because I've been having these experiences of inflammation for quite a long time and I've been going even to general doctors and it will just come again after a few minutes or after a few days or after a few weeks. This is Anonymous in Delmas. Thank you. Thank you Anonymous uh, for uh, being uh, vulnerable enough to ask that question. A-teamers, ask your questions as well. Remember, the WhatsApp number is 614 uh, Dr. Mamidela, please help Anonymous here. All right. So if you look at the prostate, as I've mentioned, the, the three main conditions that we see in the prostate is the normal enlargement with age. The other one is the inflammations or infections of the prostate. And then the last one will be prostate cancer. Those are the major three conditions that we see. 
So with the, the caller there, um, it, it is very important that uh, he get a proper assessment. And the first thing we need to exclude infections. So in, in, in terms of inflammation in the prostate, they can be bacteria, uh, where we can isolate a certain bacteria as a cause. And then that we can give antibiotics. The problem is we don't just use any other antibiotics. There should be, we should use antibiotics which have good penetration into the prostate. And then sometimes we may give it for between um, um, 14, 14 days or we can go up to four weeks or six weeks on antibiotics to basically eradicate that bacteria in the prostate. Sometimes we get what we call non-bacterial inflammations in the prostate. Those ones are hard to treat. We usually would give the patient Euromax. Euromax is one of those tablets that reduce the tension around the blood and neck and the prostate so that you can pass urine uh, much better. That's what the doctor did with, 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 with the caller there. So it depends on how the patient is, is, is recovering. And if he's responding, we'll keep that medication or we may even keep it until for for a very long time, even for a couple of years. And then, but if we think that is not getting much better, um, we can do what we call a prostate massage. We massage the prostate and then a couple of fluids that comes out through the penis. We send it to the lab to confirm whether there's an infection or not. And some, if, if we've excluded bacterial infection and we're still not getting anything, we may even consider doing prostate biopsy. But in an inflamed prostate, we must exclude bacterial infection before we do a biopsy. The danger with that doing a biopsy, we may cause septicemia. That could be life-threatening. But if we do a prostate massage, we can get the, 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 the fluid and get our answers. In some instances, we may need to operate the prostate, where we cut the prostate and open it on the inside through a scope so that you can pass urine much better, and then that also reduces the inflammation that can happen around the prostate. So if the anonymous is seeing a urologist, he can go back to the urologist, and then they will make a plan if he's not getting better. Now, But there are uh, yeah. things that can be done. Doc, what, what could have caused what anonymous is experiencing, this inflammation? So with enlarging prostate, the more you struggle to urinate and you're not emptying your bladder fully and then urine stays more in the bladder uh, for a long time, then you can get infections. And the more he's draining, the more some of the urine goes or you get what you get, um, retrograde or, yeah, retrograde um, refluxing of of urine into the prostate or into the uh, seminal vesicles and things like that, that leads to inflammation and infections as well. So the more the prostate is enlarging and you're struggling to pass urine, the more you push, you may end up with uh, chronic inflammation in the prostate. Mm. Here's a question from another ATM saying, Hi, uh, Patricia and the doc. I did a sperm test. To my surprise, I was told that there is no sperm found in the semen. How common are such problems? It is it is very, very, very common um, when you don't find sperms in, 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 in the semen. So first thing first, we need to properly assess the patient. 
One, it can mean that uh, there might be problem in the testes itself because that's where the production of, of uh, sperms is, uh, happens. Or there's a blockage from the testes in the epididymis or in the vas deferens or in the prostate. So after we found that, we usually re-examine the patient and do more tests to see. The last step is when we start doing a testicular biopsy where we open and then we check, we look for sperms, and then uh, in most of the time before we do a testicular biopsy, we'd like to prepare you or, or, or have you to know about what we call sperm bank. But when we open and we found sperm, we shouldn't just look at it. We must take some of it and put it in a sperm bank and then you can use it later if you need them. So that, that part, that one is very, very common. We see it a lot. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. We are talking closet conversations with a doctor, Mamidele. What are some of the uh, common neurological diseases um, that can impact on one's sexual health? If you've got a sexual health concern, maybe you've been feeling some differences or changes in your vagina, you're not really sure what's going on or in your penis or your sex drive has just gone low or you're seeing some, some things that are not you know, familiar, ask the doc on 011-714-2006 or even WhatsApp 614 SMSs go to 41391. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Closet Conversations. Well, we continue about uh, all things uh, sexual health uh, on our closet conversation with Dr. Mamidela. Uh, uh, Doc, uh, our A-teamers have questions here, right? This one says, how does stress um, um, cause or looks like um, in a role of a woman, especially those who like materials? In fact, nothing more confused as a woman by having a broke man, but good in bed. <laughs> and he asked, which legal weight is uh, correct for a man um, to avoid this failure in Wufkantur? <laughs> is it 100 plus kilograms? What is it, Doc? I'm afraid that we are getting fat. This is Maswabi, who is in Bloemfontein. Maybe if you can summarize that question. Is he asking about weight? Yes, or? he's asking about weight. So weight, weight, it depends from person to person, but what we normally use, we use what we call BMI. There's a certain BMI that we want, but also you must check. Some people have big bones and heavy muscles, and some have uh, more fat than... What we don't want, especially, it's more fat. You remember, with, with fat, that's what we call metabolic syndrome, where you end up with uh, diabetes, high cholesterol, and then high, high blood pressure as well. So that leads to more cardiovascular problems and then later it will affect everything um, in, in terms of sexual functioning, the hormones and the, the flow of blood into the pelvic area and to the genitals itself. So if you have a proper weight, where you're not obese when you use the BMI. BMI of uh, above 28, it's obese. And then above 35, when you calculate it, it's morbidly obese. That we don't want. 
Okay, so uh, just uh, look at your BMI because it won't be Look the same. at your yeah. BMI. Yes. And, and then if you want to be specific, you can also go to people who are able or to check your fat, uh, uh, your fat content in your body as well. Um, because that we don't want as well. So you may have a good BMI, but if you look at your bail and the amount of fat, especially in the, in the abdomen, um, it may cause problems. And then another important thing, being thin as well, that doesn't mean that you're healthy. So you can be thin, but when we check your cholesterol, it's sky high. And then you can get the heart attack and things like that. So it's it's a couple of things. So it's not only body weight and the shape or that you think and you think you're healthy. Being healthy is about um, exercising, eating well, and having regular checks. So if you look at um, the life covers and the medical aids and things like that, they even reward you to to keep healthy. That's why you have things uh, like, uh, I, I'll end up advertising certain brands, but uh, if, 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 if you have a life cover, they would pay part of your gym uh, subscription so that you can be healthy, knowing that the more you're healthy, the more you're going to have a longer lifespan and then you're going to keep on paying. You understand? Mm. So there's things like that that some companies are investing in that. So make sure that you are healthy and also check that cholesterol. Don't only rely on your weight. Okay, yes. here's another question via SMS. Says, Hi, Doc. I once heard that if a guy masturbates too much, he will end up having no sperm at all. Is this true? There are some people, not that they don't have sperm at all, they may end up having what you call retrograde ejaculate. But that usually doesn't happen if you ejaculate a lot, and maybe let me put it this way, um, when you stay a bit longer without having sex, you get the, most of the fluid accumulating and then you produce more. But the more you do it, uh, maybe let's say you do it many times a day, the amount that you produce reduces every time. You understand? It's like um, if you've stayed three days without having sex, the first one that you're going to have, you produce more fluids that are going to come from, from from your genitals. We call it the ejaculate. So the more you have, uh, the more you ejaculate, the amount reduces every time you, until it builds up again. So it does happen. Okay, so it does happen. All right. Uh, we've got some voice notes here from uh, A-teamers. So the questions we'd like to direct to him are as follows. How does obesity impact womb and how does it impact blood flow into the clitoris? Seemingly most of these obese women eat a lot they, and they lose interest in sex. Then once they lose it in sex, they resort to overeating. And similarly, this overeating aggravates, aggravates this obesity. Good evening, lovely people. Housing from Rafael. Thank you, Housen, for the question. Um, Doc, um, did you hear the question from Housen? Yeah, I struggled to hear. All right. So he was asking, how does 
overeating and being obese for a woman impact on their sex drive? How does it impact on um, their fertility, their womb? Overeating, being obese. Yes, for women. First thing first, as I've mentioned, being obese, it comes with what we call metabolic syndrome. Um, you may end up with heart problems, high cholesterol, diabetes, and things like that. If you end up having diabetes, diabetes affects the, vas- the vessels and also the nerves as well. Remember when I started, I said that um, the sexual functioning it's a combination of nerves and vessels and the heart and the brain and spinal cord as well. So as as you get obese, first thing, you don't move well. That's the first thing. The heart gets tired early. Um, the other thing is um, um, you end up being, having, having diabetes. It affects the nerves as well. So the sensation as well becomes a problem. Uh, you remember having sex is um, more like exercise endurance. The bigger you are, the endurance becomes a problem as well. And um, even the sexual positions as well becomes a problem as you get fat, um, uh, as you increase your body weight as well. And if you have uh, end up with heart problems, if your heart can pump, that means blood can get where it's supposed to get. So it becomes a it becomes an, a, a problem. Another thing is psychological as well. The more you get um, a bigger body, the more you don't you feel ashamed and undressing in front of someone becomes a problem as well. And and you remember I added at some point when we talked about women that the women the emotional um, um, well-being and psychological well-being. It's important for stimulation and maintaining uh, the sexual functioning in a female. So the body disfigurement, or if they've not accepted their body weight, it can also affect the way they respond sexually as well. Let's go to another voice note. Good evening, A-Timers, Mantuli and the Doc. This is SK Newtbank. I just want to find out here, good people, uh, direction and everything is fine, the potent, fine. My problem is that after, as soon as I, I ejaculate after the, the, the first round, it just never wakes up for the second round. It'll take me hours, probably it, it can be from an hour up to two hours for me to be able to get that to, you know, to engage on the second round. Just want to find out from the doc, where could the problem be? Oh, and another thing, during the intercourse, I take very long to ejaculate. The first round could be up to an hour or even longer. So, can the doctor please help me out? All right, Doc, I'll recap. SK Nwitbank is saying that, uh, can you please help and explain? Um, he, he takes long to ejaculate in his first round. He could take an hour or even longer before he ejaculates. But then after that, it takes even two hours sometimes 
for him to have another erection. What could be the problem? What could be causing it? All right. So um, if you look at the, the the natural history of sexual functioning, when a person is still young, from teenagers and still being a youth, and you are able to have the first round and immediately get another erection uh, without problems. But as you get older and older, the time in between the rounds increases with age. So at some point, you'll have an erection, and then um, after ejaculating, it will take a bit longer. Another thing which is important is, remember when, when, when I said blood needs to be trapped in the penis and not get out, so that you can get a rigid penis. Um, at some point, that blood is going to be deoxygenated and then there will be buildup of acid. And then um, if you have a very long round, um, that acid um, it, it's going to be stuck in, in, in the penis. And then when you're relaxing, your body needs to relax enough so that all that the things which... Um, have accumulated while blood was trapped in there needs to be recycled and removed and get back to the system and then blood to get new blood clean blood with oxygenated and all other byproducts which were released during that intercourse they need to move out so as you get older and older that takes longer that's why sometimes you'd have a, a first round and then get another erection early in the morning and also it depends from person to person. There are some people who are not very not very sexually active, that those who are very, very, very sexually active. And then um, you can expect the two people to react the same as well. But as you get old, in terms of nature, it, it, it gets longer uh, between rounds. It's a natural way uh, men are. Doc, there's something that I think we, we should touch on uh, with our time still permitting. Is blood in the semen, how common is this and what causes it? Blood in the semen, um, in most of the time, we don't know what causes it in most of the time. Even if we try and, and investigate, we don't get to find the real cause. But sometimes we do find causes. It can be infective or it can be related to malignancies. So whenever you have blood in the, in, 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 in the semen, don't take it lightly. We don't want to be missing uh, cancers. So when you come complaining of that, the first thing that we're going to evaluate will be the prostate. And then also the testis itself, the whole genital um, organ is going to be investigated. We may even ask you to send that semen um, for for culture, try, trying to see if there's any signs of infection. And we exclude cancers, obviously. If we don't find anything, don't worry about it. Initially, it will be bright red, and then it will start changing color slowly, and then it will disappear. In some patients, you find that there was a bit of trauma. In some patients, you find that they've had the prostate biopsy blood can persist in the semen or ejaculate. Some they find that they've had some intervention which happened in the rectum and things like that, or they've went to do a proctoscopy or something where there was minor trauma. Um, but the most important thing is to exclude infection and cancers. Mm, okay, got you. Let's go here to uh, another voice note. 
I, my name is JJ. I used to have a problem with the urine that remains in my bladder after urinating. And then I was given treatment, and one of the treatment was a Cardugen. Lately now I'm using Eurodox, and I'm told that by September I'm supposed, I'm supposed to undergo a biopsy. Can you just explain, is there something to worry about? Am I having something to worry about? Thank you, bye. All right, uh, Dr. Mamitella, did you get that one? Yes, yes, okay, yes, I got it. So, cardigan it's one of the treatments that we use to uh, open the blood and neck and reduce the tension around the prostate. So, we use it in patients who have a uh, enlarged prostate or prostate which is causing an obstruction when when a male tries to pass urine. So, it helps to open up there. It's similar to Euromax that the other caller called, but Euromax is more specific to the blood and neck and the prostate. But they basically do the same thing. So being put on that, it, it's not a problem. When they've decided that you need a biopsy, that means they've done a blood test and they're worried that probably the PSA, which is the blood test for the prostate, is probably going up and up and up. Or they did a rectal exam and they, it feels like there's something growing in the prostate. So when we do a biopsy, it's either we do it transrectal or transperineal. We put a needle, get a tissue or piece of a prostate, send it to the leg to confirm whether there's cancer or not. So normally, most of the time, when we do a biopsy, we worry about cancer or we want to exclude cancer as a cause of the problems. And then the medical part of it is for the symptoms that you get. Um, so the main symptoms with an enlarged prostate is to be someone who um when you urinate, you lose the velocity at which urine comes out, and then the flow, or you feel like you're not emptying enough, and start, when you start waking up a couple of times at night, then that will be a sign that your prostate is getting bigger or it's starting to cause an obstruction. So that's when you use those medications. All right, Doc, as we wrap up our conversation, can you please just give us good advice for, for, for making sure that we maintain good sexual health? All right, so what I usually tell my patients is that the same way that you invest in retirement and sexual health, you also invest in it. So you start by early in, 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 in your life, around from the age of 30 or below, you need to keep exercising. You need to be very active. And if you can't play sport, be very active. You need to walk or run. Um, another thing, diet. Reduce certain things, alcohol and smoking. If you can, stop or reduce. That will work well. If it happens that you end up with diabetes, it's very important that you keep on exercising because the more you exercise, the more you reduce the blood sugar. And then you need to be on medication. The problem with diabetes and hypertension is that they're silent killers. That means when they are high in terms of the blood pressure or the diabetes, the sugar is uncontrolled. There is damage that is happening that you can feel. Unfortunately, when the vessels are damaged, 
it depends whether they're reversible or not. If they're not reversible, there's no magic as doctors that we can do. But if you have those things, taking treatment and be consistent about it and working towards better health, it does help. Excellent. Doc, thank you very much for your time. Uh, you've really opened our minds and our, our ears up to becoming healthier so our sex lives can remain at optimum peak. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Good night, everyone. A-teamers, that wraps up our Thursday edition of the Late Night Conversations. It's been a very interesting and very informative one. Thank you for being with us uh, this week. We'll be back again next week on Monday at 10 p.m. where we give you another dose of Late Night Conversations. We are available on social media platforms at SAFM Radio, at Patricia N. Nduli. And please don't forget to use the hashtag SAFMLNC from all. Us, may goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.